On your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 16th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with the Mungrook Footy Show's Shelley Ware. We discuss the female footy pay issue with Erin Riley. We preview the Youth Girls All-Stars match at Witten Oval with Isabel Huntington. And we take a look at the USA's East-West Challenge this weekend with New York's Taylor Davidson, San Francisco's Jessica Estrada, and Portland's Heather Serpico. All that on a bumper edition of the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. Peter Holden and welcome to the 16th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2016 our 50th episode overall yes we made it uh, unfortunately we don't have a banner to run through for you but we do have a bumper episode and I am going to start off this 50th episode with the best news overall that is uh, as we go to air or first time to be able to be downloaded today Thursday the 1st of September 2016 the draft is officially open for the AFL Women's National League and therefore you can get applying. Uh, The details are out there on our website girlsplayfooty.com. Take a look. Um, It's the state-based draft so you can nominate which state that you would like to be drafted in. doesn't have to be the state you're living in. You could be in Queensland and say well I want to be drafted by a Victorian side. You get to choose. The club's going to be able to pick up to uh, 22 players. Uh, There's going to be a couple of rookie spots as well and spots for free agents. Girlsplayfooty.com has all the details and you have have uh, essentially until the 30th of September to be able to uh, apply for the draft and the draft will occur on the 12th of October. Girlsplayfooty.com got all the details about the women's draft. Uh, Big bumper episode in our interviews. Most of it touching on some positive female footy news. One tricky issue as well which we're going to get into very soon but I guess that's all part of the girlsplayfooty.com website. We always report the positive news and the not so positive news. We put it all out there for you to dissect and for you to debate. We hold nothing back. Let's get into our first interview and it's the Marn Grook footy show. You might know it's on Thursday nights on NITV 7.30pm and repeated on Friday mornings and Saturday afternoons. Uh, They usually preview the upcoming round of footy, have a look at all the teams, the ins and the outs, but of course it's the AFL bye weekend. Uh, There's no men's footy going on. The finals of course happen next week but they are previewing the uh, men's Legends game on Friday night between Victoria and the All-Stars and taking a very special look at the AFL Women's Exhibition match on Saturday night between the Western Bulldogs and Melbourne at Witten Oval. And they're doing so by having an all-female footy panel featuring some of the stars of that game and uh, one that's playing in the Legends game and a female coach as well. And that's why I've got on the line one of the regular panel members, but for Thursday night, she'll be the co-host of the Margrook Footy Show. It's Shelley Ware. Shelley, thanks for joining us. I think this is the first time ever, you know, in prime time, that there's been an all-female footy panel. Absolutely. It is the first time, so we're making history on Thursday night. We're very excited at Margrook. And, of course, your usual cast members as well. Uh, Layla is going to be on there, but plenty of special guests as well, uh, including something you've had on regularly, such as uh, Lauren Arnell, Peter Searle, and uh, introducing uh, Abby Holmes and Katie Brennan. 
That's right. So the, the girls will be on the panel with us and they'll be the full panel and then we'll have some special guests um, throughout the night. So Lauren was on last week and um, she's pumped for this week too, so I'm really looking forward to it. But we're going to meet some new people. We've got Moana Hope and... Um, Suzanne Alberti's coming in, so really looking forward to talking to her. And Andrew Walker was going to come in, but he can't make it. Um, but Mick Martin will be there talking about the EJ Whitten game. How did the idea come about originally for an all-female panel, of course, leading into the women's exhibition match this weekend? Well, Grant Hansen and I think one of the our producers, um, Jay, he they got together and had a bit of a chat, a bit of a brainstorm, and Grant's always been really supportive, so... I think we're just really lucky that we work on this show that is really supportive of women and especially now with the Women's Footy League in 2017. Seize the moment, I say. And with the bye, what else do we do? <laughs> Indeed, and there's plenty to talk about. And I, and I guess the first time since um, the, the previous exhibition match, where I, I guess everyone's almost, at least on the other shows, have treated it almost as a novelty. Because you've got that full hour, I guess it'll be the first time we actually get to see on primetime TV um, it, it actually looked in-depth and analysed the actual game that's going to be played. Yeah, really looking forward to that. We're going to have a really good talk about it, break it down. And um, it's just going to be so exciting on Saturday for this exhibition match. So something for us to look forward to next year. Get us all excited for the 2017 season. And I guess in one way it becomes uh, this all-female panel I could call it an unofficial pilot uh, for maybe February, March next year because, of course, we know that uh, Seven and, and possibly other networks may bid for the rights to air the uh, women's AFL competition. But, of course, That's coming right. around with football coverage may be female football panels to obviously divulge and dissect uh, the games. Absolutely, and I'll put my hand up for that if you've got some contacts, Peter. <laughs> no, I'm really, absolutely. We, women need to be talking about women playing football, you know, and it, it's just natural. Like, it's just waiting for it to happen. So I'm really, really hopeful for what the future brings and how um, women's footy will grow in all areas. And have you been impressed by the likes of, for example, Lauren Arnell, who's been a, a regular panellist on the show? She is outstanding. She is a complete natural and um, she's a complete professional. She comes in. Last week she was called at last minute because Layla was sick and she just came in, sat right in, fit in like a glove. You know, it's like she's always been there and she's such a pleasure to work with. Yeah, beautiful smile. And, of course, most of the panellists will be playing in the women's exhibition match, excluding one, and that is being Abby Holmes. Uh, She has the special honour of running around in the Legends game on Friday night. She does. She loves that game. And this, I think this will be her third year. Um, she absolutely loves it. She does my throwback Thursday on her Instagram account on the um, old EJ Witten's game. She's a fantastic representative. And, um, yeah, looking forward to watching her play there too. Looking forward to her being on the panel. And, of course, I believe that if people can't watch it Thursday night at 7.30 because they might be tied up, I believe it's also on demand that people can watch back online later at the Mangrook Footy Show. That's right, it's on demand and it is also replayed at 10 o'clock on Friday and Saturday morning as well, so on NITV. So if they miss it, make sure you catch it because it's going to be a really great show. I'm going to make history on Thursday night and we're really excited about it and like people are um, very supportive, so we're going to have a huge audience. Well, Shelley, thank you very much for joining us here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. We wish you all the very best on Thursday night with this historic uh, all-female panel. And who knows, maybe that phone call from Seven or Fox Footy might come in uh, <laughs> inquiring about your services for the uh, AFL Women's Competition broadcast next year. You never know your luck in the big city, Peter. Thank you for your time.
<laughs> You're listening to the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. One thing that's been making news on Wednesday, the 31st of August 2016, has been the pay issue for the Women's National League. It was broken online by the Herald Sun that uh, there'll be various rates of pay, $25,000 for female marquee players, uh, rates for priority picks and high draft picks. But for the bottom end of the list, um, they would be getting a minimum of $5,000. Now... Some would say, oh, that's pretty generous for eight weeks. But we have to pause there. $5,000 is not just for eight weeks of footy. That's why we've got on the line Erin Riley, a freelance sports journalist. She was the one that was all over the uh, Eddie Maguire comments about Caroline Wilson that made the news a few weeks ago. She's been red hot on this uh, pay issue today. Erin, uh, thank you very much for joining us on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Uh, I guess we do need to explain to the audience that this $5,000 minimum page does uh, work under a wide umbrella. Yeah, um, obviously that has to cover all pre-season as well. Um, we don't yet know whether they'll, the length of the pre-season, but you'd have to assume it would be at least a number of weeks. Um, I think the most disappointing thing is that players will be limited to nine hours in the club uh, during the week, uh, during the season. So that's largely to protect their per hour rate. But there's two ways that'll go. Either the, the league won't be at the standard we expect of a professional league in 2017, or um, women will be expected to work for free or work for, for less money. So I think it's not just the hourly rate, it's also the restriction on the number of hours that, are, that the women are, are going to be able to work. And I guess one thing that hasn't been clear as well is they've said nine hours, but that nine hours isn't overly clear as well, as in, is that nine hours of three days and three hours, so therefore you're doing, say, Monday, Wednesday, Friday training uh, over a night, or is that nine hours essentially a nine to six? It's one day of a working week taken out. And presumably that'll depend on on the teams and how they want to split that up. I can't imagine it being all in one go, but uh, depending on when matches are, um, I imagine that could even change from week to week, much the way men's training uh, alternates depending on when match day is. One of the ACT representative players that spoke on ABC Canberra Radio this afternoon and she said she's most concerned, if anything, about uh, the issue of no private health insurance. Now, we believe that there's some insurance cover that covers the players for obviously occupational health and safety, like work cover, for example. So if you got injured in the office, you know, you'd be covered for that. But I believe it's up to the players how, how this is being written for them to cover their costs should they, for example, do an ACL out on the ground. And it's really worth noting that the collective bargaining agreement mandates that all men's players receive top-level cover paid for by the club. Uh, that doesn't come out of their salary cap, but it does. Uh, it is taxable. It's a fringe benefit. Uh, and they're also provided with um, non-football income protection insurance. And that's what I'm really concerned about. What happens when one of these women who's only earning $300 a week playing footy gets injured and has to take time off their day job? Um, what happens then? They don't have any protection. 
And it's a very good point. And again, it was mentioned by that Canberra player on ABC Radio. And I guess when you look at what's left over, um, Fox Sports were raising the issue that this top protection could cost $2,000. So if that was the case of 5000 then a player after they paid for that is left with $3,000, which if you do the math, if you have 16 weeks of, of training at three, uh, three hours over three days and uh, obviously taking away 20 hours for community commitment time and also adding in their match day, um, you could be looking at a situation where the players are literally being paid $15 an hour, which is below the federal minimum wage. Yep, take-home pay below minimum wage is, is quite um, realistic. And that's not even taking into account the hours that presumably they'll be um, expected to work or, or where they'll be choosing to work without pay. I mean, you know, men's players, um, you know, when they hit the gym, that's that's part of their weekday. That's part of their, their paid time at the club. Um, I can't imagine, you know, gym sessions and that sort of thing being covered in those nine hours a week and presumably female players will need to do that in their own time. Uh, one point that uh, that you've raised as well, um, and, and no doubt you would have seen it across a number of sports where women uh, are involved, is the issue of childcare. There is, uh, in some circumstances, some women who'll stop playing sport, decide to have children and make a comeback and be up to that standard. Um, how, how much could a woman be paying on average um, for childcare and um, how much could it chew into this 5K? Realistically, it could take the whole 5K. Um out of hours childcare, so weekends and evenings cost a whole lot more than, than weekdays. So I do think it's a real restriction on women with caring responsibilities, um, which is something that, you know, a lot of people in uh, um, concerned with women in sport have talked about a lot. Um, it's not necessarily just women who've given birth, but women who have other caring responsibilities, whether it's through fostering, adoption or... Um, non look after people who aren't their children um restricting the access of those women to to playing football is really concerning I remember about, I think it was a month or so ago, there was a report out there by Industry Super Funds uh, talking about how uh, women were substantially more worse off than men when it came to super. Um, have you seen anywhere out of this uh, proposed pay deal that's been making news today about if super has been incorporated into this pay deal? No, and I haven't seen anything about whether or not uh, it, that players will be considered casual or part-time employees. Presumably it's casual, because it is such a short season length. Um, I mean, perhaps it's contract, but whether or not that includes leave loading, that sort of thing, this is why comparing it hour for hour to to what the men get paid um, on a salary basis is really not an entirely accurate way of, of actually measuring like for like. Well, let's have a look at some of the things uh, from a devil's advocate point of view, because obviously you've had quite a number of tweets uh, thrown at you since uh, the news first broke and you've been talking about it. Um, uh, some men are putting out there the, the question of uh, men's football's been going for 100 years. They've worked so long to get to this level. Why should women be fast-forwarded? Uh, what was your reply to that? Uh, a couple of things. First of all, I would have loved for women to have had 100 years to build a competition. Uh, unfortunately, we were restricted from doing so. Uh, it's completely ridiculous to suggest that women um, haven't put in the work. The same way it's completely ridiculous to say that, you know, the men today um, shouldn't benefit from the work of men who've come previously. Why should that benefit only be enjoyed by men? 
the second part thing that I find really frustrating about that is you also the competition developed in an era where a cost of living was a lot lower um, and b they weren't competing against other professional um, leagues so in the whole sporting marketplace you weren't comparing professional competitions and amateur competitions you were comparing like for like obviously there were some periods where some sports were professional and the others lagged a little behind but we're in an era now where our sports, our dominant sporting culture is professional. They are full-time paid employees of clubs. And so we can't expect the women's league to develop at the same rate and in the same way as the men's league because you're not comparing like for like. There's also been um, uh, other questions raised on Twitter where they've been talking about saying, oh, the women haven't earned a cent yet, so how can they demand uh, X amount of dollars? And uh, others arguing, saying, well, it's been men's football that's generating all this revenue. Uh, Why should they share? Again, what's your replies to that? Well, we didn't stop paying GWS and Gold Coast players before they... um started turning a profit. In fact, they were listed and played at fair and standard wages for two years before they even entered the competition. We have an understanding when the men's competition expands that there's a little bit of loss ahead of time in pursuit of a long-term profit. And it's the same thing with the women's comp. It requires investment in the understanding that, yes, at some point in the future, they will make money. And I guess there's been some questions out there on Twitter and, and even from maybe one or two of the women's players who have unfortunately fallen to the AFL spin that they're worried of, oh, the costs have got to be kept low because we don't want this thing to fail. What do you say to that? The AFL was able to spend $90 million in addition to the setup costs of GWS and Gold Coast ahead of time promoting the game in the northern states. They've shown that they can invest substantial amounts of money in risky propositions, why is this any different? It requires investment and it's a choice not to invest. Well, let's talk about that figure again. You said $90 million that they invested. And I think Gillian McLaughlin uh, mentioned in his uh, tweet with the Ask Gil hashtag uh, this afternoon as we record, uh, he talked about how they were investing $1.6 million in the women's competition. So based on that theory for the $90 million that they've spent, they could literally run the women's competition for 50 years at a loss and not even charge gate admission and still have money left over and still have spent less than they spent in five years in the lead-up to the launch of GWS and Gold Coast. And remember, that's not including any of the direct set-up costs of the club. This was just promotional and preparation activity. That is uh, literally some amazing figures. Um, For you personally, uh, how have you been coping online? Because uh, you've been coming out, you've been tweeting about it and and raising the issue, being red hot on it, and there's been a lot of supporters. But unfortunately, the dinosaurs are out there and they look like they're going to be out there until the season has proven a success. How have you been coping personally? Oh, I'm fine. This is nothing compared to some of my previous uh, online escapades. So uh, it's been okay. There's been a couple where I've had to have a good chuckle. Uh, There was one bloke in particular who just wanted to argue with me and like, show me the numbers, show me the numbers, and then came up with his own stats. And I was like, well, these are all fake numbers. And he said, well, which ones are wrong? And I listed sort of six or seven problems with them. And then he went, well, it's all just opinion anyway. So I've had a lot of people uh, telling me that it's all just opinion when uh, they don't like the, the actual data that I'm providing.
Well, Erin, just before we let you go again, if people want to read uh, more on your articles and your blog, uh, where can they find you online? Yep, so I'm at Erin Riley AU on Twitter. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Erin Riley AU. And my website is erinreilly.com.au. So fairly consistent there. Um, and again, I'll have a piece um, about the the salary and about sort of some answering some of those questions about why this is unfair um, in daily life on Fairfax this week. And we thank Erin very much for her time. Moving across to our next interview to focus on the Youth Girls All-Stars game that's happening on Saturday afternoon at VU Wittenoval in Footscray. It is the curtain raiser to the women's exhibition match. 4.30pm it gets underway between NAB Black and NAB Red. It's the best of the best youth girls around the country mixed between two teams. Some of the girls will be possibly drafted next year for the Women's National League because they're 18. A few others are 17 or under and in the coming years years they will be drafted and I've got on the line a 17 year old who starred for Vic Metro in the Youth Girls Nationals Grand Final at the MCG back in May. Her name is Isabel Huntington. Izzy, thank you very much for joining us here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast and I do have to ask the question, that day at the MCG, that Grand Final um, you racked up 30 possessions kicked 5 goals, is the memory of that day still clear in your head? (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's pretty memorable it's uh, an experience that's hard to forget, I'd say, running out on the G and winning a national championship with your home state. So no, definitely still fresh in the mind. <laughs> and for you, how did you feel about all the hype that the next day you're opening up the paper, whether it be the Herald Sun or the Age, and there's a photo of you and a few of your teammates and uh, your name up in lights? <laughs> yeah, it was great. I mean, just the media coverage of the whole championships and women footy in general really is quite extraordinary. It's really uh, taken off recently, so that was it was great to see. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, during that Nationals Carnival, a number of the girls got a letter which said that they've been selected for the All-Stars match, including you. You've been selected on the NAB Team Black. Um, so, so what's it been like the last couple of months building up to this uh, All-Stars game? Of course, obviously you had your normal club youth girls footy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I've just been playing uh, for Melbourne Uni. So I played uh, youthies and we won a premiership just a few weeks ago, which was a pretty nice feeling as well uh, on the back of the national championships. And I've also been playing a bit of senior footy. So, yeah, it's been pretty full on in the past few months and, yeah, definitely ready for the All-Stars match. And how have you found the standard of uh, playing senior footy with Melbourne Uni? Yeah, it's been great. So just in the Premier Division and we're in the finals at the minute. I think, yeah, it's a really good challenge for me to... uh, step up into and I've been enjoying every minute of it. Now, of course, um, we, we've got the U-Stars all, uh, match coming up. You've known, you know, what side you're going to be in uh, for, for the last several uh, weeks. Has there been much communication online between the girls and, and trying to, I guess, sort each other out and who's going to do what leading into this big game? Oh, yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, I think that's something I will all sort out um, in the coming few days, mostly. So we get together on Thursday, September the 1st and start start doing our training. And it's a pretty, seems like a pretty intensive few days. But um, yeah, I think that's something that will, once we get all the girls from all the states together, I think it's uh, definitely easier to sort it out then. Now, if I'm correct, I believe the SA and WA youth girls coaches have been selected as the coaches for the sides. Um, who's ended up uh, coaching your black team? Yeah, so uh, Clint from WA is coaching our black team. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting to have. Um, I mean, obviously, WA did really well in the national champs 
uh, earlier in May. So to have someone of that calibre coaching me is really exciting and, yeah, fresh new face for us Victorians. Now, no doubt you're probably doing your VCE at the moment. So for you during a typical week when you're preparing for club football, um, what's kind of involved? How are you balancing schoolwork with, of course, trying to prepare for youth girls and, you know, 2018, the National Women's League? Yeah, definitely. So it can can be pretty hectic at times, but I think footy is a really great outlet from your studies. You can't study all the time, and it's great to be able to get out on the track a few times a week after school and, yeah, balance it all together. So I think it's a, it's a good mix, definitely. And you talk about trying to find the mix. Uh, for you, obviously, when you uh, finally uh, go through high school and, and graduate from university, uh, do you see yourself uh, playing football and trying to work in the industry full-time, or do you see yourself trying to find that balance of you want to play football part-time and, and maybe do something else for your career? Yeah, definitely. So I, um, I've always had an ambition to do medicine when I finish, so that's definitely still something I'm aiming for. So I guess it's um, yeah something that I'll need to work to balance in the future and I think, you know, just take it one step at a time at this point and everything will unfold as it does. But, yeah, it should be uh, an exciting time being able to study and play football at the same time. Who knows, Dr. Huntington one day. We already have uh, Dr. Ernst, who's uh, represented Melbourne last year. Exciting. So obviously we could have another doctor running around and playing. Now, um, you've also been uh, appointed the Southern Metro Junior Football League ambassador um, to obviously promote uh, the, the youth girls that they've got going. Um, how did you come across that? Uh, can you tell us what is the role of ambassador? What will they get you doing? Yeah, certainly. So I, um, I played my junior footy in the SMJFL for two clubs uh, until I had to stop and started playing youth girls footy but they're a really supportive league and they've um yeah really helped me along the way and recently i just came back there to coach their under 15 girls interleague side uh, earlier in the year and it was a great experience the league you know is making leaps and bounds in terms of women's footy and it's really well structured um so i'm, I'm really excited about embarking on that role um yeah so i'm really just um there to promote promote the league and promote uh, particularly the girls football sector of that as well as the boys um but yeah they're making some really exciting new developments with their girls footy i think they're getting under 10s under 12s 14s 16s and 18s next year which is really unheard of at this this stage uh how much interest there is but yeah i'll just be there to promote the league help them out with what they need and yeah really uh, try and be a positive role model to the younger girls who are coming through just switching back to uh, this Saturday night where, of course, uh, the youth girls are being the lead into the uh, women's match. Um, of course, uh, we've got about 40-odd of the best youth girls talent around the country. Uh, we know, of course, of uh, some of the big names. We know, of course, of Catherine Smith, who's been playing for the uh, Eastern Devils in the State League. We know, of course, of uh, Georgia Walker, the uh, captain of uh, Vic Country. Um, who are some of the girls that have caught your eye when you were playing in the Nationals? Yeah, definitely. So there's uh, it's a big list, but um, just to name a few, I think uh, Geordie Allen, who was a uh, vice captain of Vic Metro this year. She's a young player. She's been in it for a few years, but she's just such a great player. She was our MVP for the day and really reliable down back. Um, yeah, she's really got some exciting footy ahead as well as Maddie Fris Parkers, obviously a pretty big name. She's young and you know great great potential for the future. And yeah, there were definitely a lot of interstate girls that really impressed me. I think. Uh, Courtney Hodder was one name from WA who was a player of the carnival. She's lightning fast and yet moves well with the ball. So I could go on forever with the list, but um, those are a few big names that I think could be out for. 
Well, of course, we'd love to get stuck into uh, some of the other names. Of course, there's Talia Randall, who's, who's played women's exhibition match footy. There's uh, Lily Mithen, who's been a star for several years for Vic Country. And, of course, uh, there's Monique Conti, who balances it by just, you know, playing basketball for the country. Uh, yeah, she's Conti is amazing. She uh, plays down with me at Melbourne Uni, and she I don't know how she does it all, really. Um, yeah, Australian basketball player and a fantastic footballer as well, so she's got a massive future ahead for her. And, of course, uh, one of WA's goal kickers that we noted throughout the carnival, uh, Kate Bartlett. Yeah, yeah, she's um, yeah definitely big. She, I think, kicked a few bags uh, earlier in the week of the carnival and, um, yeah, did really well, so it'd be exciting to see her back in action. Uh, Shalice Law, of course, who's uh, played for the Brisbane Lions again in, in an exhibition game. Uh, another big star to uh, obviously keep an eye out for one of SA stars, uh, Ashley Woodland, and of course uh, Taylor Thorne, I believe one of NT stars, of course, uh, uh, recently moved down to Victoria. Yeah, yeah, so Taylor um, came to train with us once or twice, so yeah, she's uh, obviously a big gun, and yeah, I think she was named on one of the lists for the women's team, but um, yeah, it'd be great to see her play, definitely. Now, of course, coming out of this youth girls games, some of the girls, of course, the 18-year-olds, are going to be eligible for the draft, which now opens, and uh, they'll be able to submit to uh, be picked up by one of the four Victorian clubs. For you, you're 17, so you still have uh, one more year to wait. How do you see 2017 for you? Are you going to try and get involved at one of the four clubs that got a women's side, whether that be simple as something as simple as running the water to try and get in behind the scenes before possibly being drafted in 2018? Yeah, I mean, it's a good thought. Um, so, yeah, next year's going to be pretty busy with football for me. But, um, yeah, if the opportunity arises, I'd love to get involved with one of the clubs. I mean, it'd be great to see the, the league kick off finally and how it all unfolds. So, yeah, definitely exciting opportunities ahead. And we thank Izzy very much for her time and wish her all the very best in the AFL Youth Girls All-Stars match, 4.30pm Saturday, September 3 at VU Witten Oval in Footscray. Keep an eye on girlsplayfooty.com leading up up to that match we're going to have an article uh, previewing that all-stars game and of course the list so you'll be able to know who is playing for what team and get behind and support them and cheer on the girls now it's time to take our focus overseas to the USA. Of course, here at girlsplayfooty.com, we're going to be covering the USAFL Nationals uh, coming up in Sarasota, Florida in mid-October. But one of the last chances for the girls to have a big warm-up uh, to get into some form before the Nationals is the East-West Challenge, which is happening this weekend in San Francisco on Saturday 3rd of September, uh, gets underway roughly 3 o'clock Sunday morning Melbourne time. Now, taking part in that match is the New York Magpies, the San Francisco Iron Maidens, and the combined team of the Sacramento Suns and the Portland Sockeyes. And it's great to have, first of all, on the line, uh, the representative from the New York Magpies, Taylor Davidson. Uh, Taylor, you're feeling excited for this uh, big weekend of footy. Yeah, well, always look forward to it. I'm so glad that we started this transition. I actually started my footy career in San Francisco, played for them for three seasons, so I can't wait to go back. Um, And in terms of the footy, this is always such a huge test because San Francisco and New York, we consider ourselves like sister teams, right? We have a lot of the same challenges living in a big city with people moving in, moving out. 
Um, but we always seem to recruit great talent, always have great recruiting numbers, and you know it's a really good test for us leading up to nationals. As you mentioned, you played in San Francisco originally with the Iron Maidens. Um, I believe they've got their like a Metro League as well, which I think, if I'm correct, is nine aside. So how do you find the transition from, I guess, playing nine aside football to when they combine to either 16 or 18 aside? Yeah, we actually in New York have a Metro team too. So I think in the Metro team, you really focus on the skills. And it's a great chance for the new players to just become familiar with handballing, a foreign concept, literally, um, for them from before and learning how to kick and learning a little bit of the flow of the game. But then when you play 16s, you know, what we've really shifted to too in New York is you know, what are the positions, right? Having our new women know what the positions are from the start of the game, know where they are and just become more familiar with how the game is actually meant to be played. Um, Because really when we're starting women's footy and when it started in the U.S. a number of years ago, we're just trying to get women to fill the field and fill the numbers. So now we're having conversations about, you know, different plays and the ball movement and how it should be played and watching games. And uh, it's, it's actually a great transition from when I started four plus years ago Um, to now being able to look and watch the games and really get the women's game much more similar to what we're seeing on TV. And especially when we're watching the women's games in Australia too. And you talk about seeing that on TV, of course, of late you've had a better coverage on Fox over there with Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2 and Fox Sports Plus showing up to about four games a week. How much does that mean to be able to see these games, whether they be at 11 o'clock at night or or 4 or 5 in the morning and be able to see what's happening there and then try and practice it yourselves? I mean, and that's great. And watching the men's is obviously very fun it's great to get a group together and do that but what we've really enjoyed and what's impacted our game a lot more is just the spread of being able to watch the women's games in australia right so being able i don't know if that's what you were referencing but being able to watch the women's games and realize that it is a little bit of a different game right so what do we aspire to in the u.s what do we aspire to from the new york magpies you know how should we be playing what does the ball movement look like where are the skills right where are the gaps in what what we bring to the table, not growing up playing the sport. So that's been nice. And then also um, being able to watch our own games, right? Having a lot more coverage. Brian Barish has been a huge champion for us over here. And, you know, working through him, working with um, the USAFL, getting our games recorded, that's been huge too. And it's interesting you say about watching women's games. Of course, you can probably access now not only the AFL women's exhibition matches, but um, obviously a lot of uh, women's state league games are now at least having some of their replays shown online. Uh, and this weekend will be interesting. Just before you actually play in your tournament, um, Saturday night Melbourne time, of course, is the AFL women's exhibition game. They're televising that. And because of the trial rules, they're playing 16 aside. So for you, it's almost like an identical game that you'll be playing over the weekend. And I guess you'll be able to adapt that perfectly being 16 aside, 16 aside. Yeah, it will be very nice. Well, we probably won't be able to see it before the game, but it'll be good to have that on footage. Hopefully it'll be recorded. And and of course, you'll be able to put that in practice because I was going to say, of course, you'll be able to put that in practice because if I'm correct, 16 aside for the women's division at the Nationals? Pretty sure, yes. I know we're working towards getting that 18s aside game. I know our numbers from New York are super strong. We're looking to take um, a pretty full squad. So we're working to get to the 18s aside, just not sure if that final decision's been made. 
Well, let's focus on the East-West tournament uh, coming up. Uh, what's the strength of your squad that you're taking over this weekend? Well, New York Magpies, traditionally, we've had a very strong defense. Not that I'm biased because I do play defense, but we have a strong and experienced defense. You know, with Drea there, she's been playing and such a huge member of the league all around. Um, so she's really the, um, the anchor there. Um, then we do have a lot of experience, more experienced players on defense. Um, and in terms of, you know, offense and our mids, we've a lot of players just due to injury or due to, you know, life events that make you sit out a season. Um, we lost them from last season, but we've picked up some amazing new talent. And in the U.S., you have to look at just the pure athleticism of the players and the sports they've played and how that's going to translate to footy. So we've picked up some great like soccer players, basketball players, and we find that translates well. And we've picked up some height. So before we had a pretty short team, now we have a lot of height going up that core. That'll make a big difference. And, of course, you've got Kim Hemingway in your side who's recently had experience in Australia, of course, with the trial and then, of course, playing in one of the exhibition games. Has there been much knowledge that she's been able to take away from those couple of days and impart on you on a side to practice to add into your game plan? Yeah, absolutely. And it comes with talking to the players and, you know, how do you really act as a unit in the forward line? Uh, And Kim is just such a phenomenal player to watch and play with, too, because she will, the ball is almost like magnet going towards her. And however she gets it done, she gets the ball and the goal. So she's a great player to play with and to to learn from. Um, And I think just having that experience, having her talk it up with the women, you know, that's, that's been pretty valuable, especially when we play with her because she does live in LA. Right. So uh, she's pretty active on our group chats that we have, like WhatsApp and whatnot. Um, yeah, and it's, it's really good having her on the team. I was just having a look at the preview that was done, of course, uh, for the East Central region by Brian Barisher early in the year, and he spotted a couple of Aussies in your side that he mentioned, and uh, Renee Koff and Julia Lee. Mm-hmm. So Renee actually will not be attending East-West, um, and Julie, but Renee is, again, she's a great forward player as well. She makes strong lead. She's a huge voice on the field, and she's a huge voice in practice. Um, and then Julie Lee just brings so much speed. She is explosive. Like I, It's very hard to guard her because she's so explosive. So um, they bring some good experience and good voices to the team as well. And he highlighted some rising uh, stars, including uh, Ashley Singer and uh, Grace Coplo. Oh, yeah. So starting with Ashley, Ashley is one of the more experienced players on defense. She is a wall. Um, and we actually have a joke. We call her a hungry, hungry hippo because whenever the ball is near her, she goes and she grabs that ball. And she is such a force, such a solid force. Um, and also a great player in terms of reading the play and knowing where to position herself and knowing when to take the girl versus taking the ball. And then Grace, I mean, Grace is a wrecking ball. (laughs) She is like just unending energy, very smart around the ball, very smart with positioning her body, using her strength. And she is such a key player in our mids. And if you've had a quick look over your opponents, the San Francisco Iron Maidens, of course, you, who you used to play for, and the combined Sacramento-Portland uh, team, is there any players that you fear from the opposition that you think you've got to look at shutting down to make sure that uh, you come away with the title this weekend? I mean, the way women's footy is gone, it's hard to just name a few. 
right? They're such strong squads. Their recruiting has been phenomenal. You know, I know the more experienced players, unfortunately, like Courtney Sherman, I know she's sitting out due to injury, but Julie Marks is always a force in the middle. So I'm interested to see what Julie Marks and a Grace Copco ma- matchup looks like. Um, Jess Estrada, I know she was injured. So I hope that, you know, she's back and she's healthy. And then you look at Brett Bauer, Bretto. I mean, there's just such talent on the Iron Maidens that as a squad, we look forward to playing them because it's, you know, it's a fun game and it's a chance to see how New York stacks up. In terms of Sacramento, Portland, I'm not as familiar with them because I haven't played against them for two seasons. So, um, and except at nationals. Uh, but again, women's footy has grown and gotten so much more competitive in the U.S. that you know whenever you show up, show up it's going to be a great game with some wonderful talent. Uh, after this weekend of the East-West Challenge, there's literally um, five weeks until, uh, five to six weeks, should I say, to the uh, USAFL Nationals in uh, Sarasota, Florida. Uh, what's the plan leading up over those few weeks? Are we looking at uh, increased training and more get-togethers before you uh, head to Sarasota? Yeah, and I think it's a lot of what most clubs will do, right? The focus is on fitness, on maintaining fitness, on making sure that our bodies are in the optimal shape. Um, and also any kind of injury prevention, making sure that we're healthy. So um, my team always jokes, you know, stay hydrated, <laughs> make sure we're properly fueling our body. So fitness, uh, make sure we're stretching and injury prevention. But in terms of increased trainings, yeah, we do have trainings and we do uh, train on a little bit of larger field. We have a couple more Thursday practices added to the schedule. And the focus there is positioning. Right, the focus there is on the flow of the game, right? We've focused on skills for the most part for the start of the season, and now it's really a transition into what does our gameplay look like, right? It's I played hockey, so it's a hockey term. What is the breakout, right? How do we move the ball from the defense to the forward? How do we get it out of the corridor and then move it into the corridor? And uh, So it's definitely more of a focus on using the space and being familiar with what the positions of the ball movement should look like. And you mentioned about uh, Thursday trainings. Of course, it's common here uh, in Australia that generally two days a week both sides uh, will train, excluding those that in state league are really starting to ramp up to almost the professional men's level or a semi-professional men's level of three days a week as uh, they try and improve their fitness levels and their football. Um, uh, during a regular season, uh, how often would we see uh, the New York Magpies training? You know, regular season, we're at Tuesday practices. So you know, once a week. And then a lot of the women, depending where they live, like we'll have a Brooklyn contingency get together maybe for a workout or just kicking and some handballs, or we'll have, you know, a Manhattan contingency or Queens. So, you know, one organized training per week, but then you have the women who just are obsessed with this game because it's unlike anything we've ever seen and we're new to it. So we put in the extra hours, even if it's not, you know, scheduled or organized specifically by the team. And we thank Taylor very much for her time. Now let's chat with the host team, the San Francisco Iron Maidens. And just quietly, how awesome is that nickname for a footy side? The Iron Maidens. I've got on the line Jessica Estrada. Uh, Jessica, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, how are you feeling about this uh, big weekend of footy with the East-West Show? down three teams going head to head and of course uh, your team uh, being the hosts i am incredibly excited this is our second annual east west showdown last year uh the new york magpies the lady the lady pies definitely hosted us it was an amazing tournament and we are happy to host them again this year in san francisco Bay Area. 
And what's the schedule been like for the Iden Maidens this year? Of course, uh, it's it's the Nationals, and next year, of course, for some of you, the International Cup. I believe just recently as well, you had the uh, Western Regional Tournament. Yeah, so um, the Iron Maidens, we have a Metro League every year. Um, we break up into two teams, the Sirens and the Breakers. So um, the Metro League was um, in the spring and in early summer, and then we headed up to Portland for the Western Regional Tournament, where we, I think, went one and two, but it was a very, very competitive tournament. It was, it was a close tournament. It was anyone's game. And uh, as we've been asking uh, Taylor Davidson, of course, the New York Magpies as well, um, how often do the San Francisco Iron Maidens have the opportunity to get together to play 16-a-side football, which is, I guess, something similar to what you'll be playing at the Nationals? Um, I would say it's it's not... I mean, the bigger tournaments is when we get to play 16-18-a-side. Um, in, in our Metro games, we have about maybe 11 or 12-a-side, so it's very exciting to get... Um, full-size games, as well as, you know, hosting a premier team like um, the New York Lady Pies. So we're really excited. And, of course, a big weekend coming up uh, with the New York Lady Pies, uh, uh, the Sacramento-Portland team. Have you had an opportunity yet to cast your eye over your opponents, and who do you think will be some of the serious threats? Oh, it's, I mean, you know, we all we all know each other. We all, you know drink after the games with each other, but I would say there's some really great players all over the nation. Um, of course, Drea Casillas with New York, she's, you know, one of the originals. Um, I know there's a lot of new um, talent in both New York, East Coast, as well as Sacramento. I believe there's some uh, rowers in Sacramento named Rosie and Liz who came out to um, the Freedom Camp, and it's just really exciting to see you know, the game growing, there's new players and, um, you know, just getting to know each other with these great um, cross-tournaments. Just having a look at your squad as well, um, uh, particularly from reports on Brian Barish of the USAFL, he's been talking up the forward grouping of uh, Courtney Sharman-Johnson and uh, Meg Leone. Yeah, so uh, we have some amazing players this year, a lot of new talent, um, Court is, you know, one of the veterans. Unfortunately, she has a foot injury, so she won't be able to play this tournament. But, um, you know, Meg is also unavailable for this tournament. So I would say we have some really amazing um, rookies, including Jax, um, who is our new um, Ruckman. Um, we have, um, yeah, I know Meg can't play this tournament, but we have um, another new, a bunch of new uh, rookies um, from Ohio, uh, who used to play rugby named Kicks and also Sylvia X. Um, it's going to be a great tournament. We have a lot of new players and as well as um, um, veterans, you know, coming together to hopefully win this East West Showdown again for the second time in a row. And you talk about Jacks coming into the rack. I guess that poses the question of uh, where will uh, Brett Brower play? Uh, will she be on the rack as well rotating or will you be looking to move her forward to fill the gap? Wouldn't you like to know? I'm just kidding. Um, well, in terms of the coaches, she is an amazing goal kicker. Um, I think based on our clicks, we have about 22 to 24 maidens um, coming out to the tournament. I think based on um, our forward line, which I feel is very strong with Carly, um, you know, former um, professional goalie, um, we have a very strong forward. Um, so depending on our forward line, um, Breda will either play in the forward or in um, the center at back. 
And I guess one thing uh, people look forward to with watching the Iron Maidens is you're a quick side, not only yourself, but also Sarah Malignon and uh, Tish Williams as well. Yes, oh, we have some amazing quick players. Um, Sarah Malignon as well as Nikki, um, she has really come um, a, a really long way since coming from uh, recruiting her at a bar last year, um, as well as Tish. We have a lot of speed, a lot of height a lot of new rookies, um, and I'm really excited for what this season, the end of the season brings. And I don't think you have to laugh about recruiting at a bar because I think that's how many uh, reserve sides get put together in Australia and some cricket teams as well, <laughs> just pulling people out of a bar. These are, these are not reserve players, let me tell you. We um, have a very diverse recruiting, um, um, but I would say um, our recruits from, you know, from last year and the beginning of this year, whether it be at a bar at, um, you know, SS Woody or our tag league or, you know, through rugby and different friends, you know, we've, we've had a very great um, season in terms, to, in terms of getting new players this year, so I'm really excited. And, of course, uh, this uh, tournament, as we said, is uh, essentially a warm-up. As much as you're fighting for the East-West Challenge title, you've got the USAFL Nationals coming up in the middle of October in Sarasota, Florida. Uh, what's the plan from this weekend onwards as you try to warm up for the Nationals? Oh, yes, this is definitely, you know, a big tournament, but definitely not the biggest show. Um, I would say, um, you know, Coach Jabo, Coach Millie, and Coach Tara will definitely, you know, take a look at our um, players and ensure that, you know, they're in the right positions, maybe try a few new things as we lead up into the until nationals. And we definitely have uh, trainings every Wednesday as well as um, we'll begin um, ensuring that we have our Saturday tournaments. And I believe we have one more game against Sacramento the first weekend of October just to, you know, get some last um, game time in before the big show. Indeed, in Sarasota, Florida, on the weekend of the uh, 15th and 16th of October for those that uh, do want to head along. Now, there's one question that's obviously been raised by here in Australia, and maybe as Captain, you'd be able to uh, answer it. Who came up with the idea for the nickname the Iron Maidens for San Francisco? Oh, I would say that was definitely... um, So, Millie and I um, were the ones who started the team back in 2012, and I don't know how I thought of it. I just really wanted a unique name, something that stood out and something that was, you know, really showed our character. And I wanted, I don't know, you can never forget the Iron Maiden, you know, true Maiden style. And, you know, I think for us, it's, um, you know, a point of pride and a point of, you know, like, she's a Maiden for life. And um, it's something that we're very proud of. And something that got plenty of thumbs up uh, here in Australia. <laughs> and for you personally, of course, uh, I think it was 2011 you first played for the uh, USA uh, Freedom. For you, are you looking forward to another international cup campaign next year? Yes, I'm looking forward to it. I'm uh, definitely coming from a slight shoulder injury, but I'll definitely be back um, strong, hopefully, um, and moving forward um, next year. And, of course, we've heard the reports of New York's Kim Hemingway, who's actually based in California, and uh, Sacramento's Katie Clad all trying out uh, uh, for the yeah, AFL Women's National really League. Uh, how about from the San Francisco Iden Maidens? Has there been any temptation for any of the players to consider moving across early before the International Cup to try their hand and, and maybe, if not selected for 2017, maybe the 2018 National League? I mean, that would be 
amazing. I think the opportunities are there. You know, it's just very difficult in that, you know, as a woman's sport, we, we don't get paid. You know, there's there's a lot of limitations. We all have, you know, various jobs and responsibilities. But I would love to see, especially some of our rookies who are, you know, younger, if they want to move out, you know, the opportunities are there. I think um, a lot of the new girls just started this year and are falling in love, falling in love with the sport. And, you know, um, we're really trying to encourage as many players to go out and um, just play for a season. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm definitely trying to convince some of the girls to do it. Um, if you know of any opportunities, <laughs> definitely bring it our way. And, um, you know, we'll try to get the, the, the maiden representation out in, in Melbourne. And I thank Jessica very much for her time. Now, the final side we're having a look at is a combined effort between the Sacramento Suns and the Portland Sock Eyes. The Portland team's sending across a couple of players, and that's why I've got on the line one of their representatives in Heather Serpico. Uh, Heather, thank you very much for joining us on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Now, if I'm correct, before you moved to uh, uh, Portland, Oregon, uh, you originally started uh, playing footy in New York. That is correct. I started in 2013 playing with the Pies. Um, I met uh, someone randomly at a bar, and from there, you know, that was history. And no doubt for work reasons, obviously, you've now ended up in uh, Portland. So what's the women's footy scene been like in Oregon? Uh, started off very small. Uh, when I when I showed up in uh, January, there were two players on the Sockeyes. Um, since then, it's grown exponentially. Uh, we are at currently 12 players. Uh, we're looking to bring six to the nationals and three to the east-west showdown unfortunately a little short-sighted there uh but looking forward to teaming up with sacramento when we get there uh as you said three teaming up with the sacramento uh, as you take on the new york magpies and the um san francisco iron maidens the east-west challenge uh besides yourself who else is uh, heading along to uh, i guess where the sun's jumper for the day jessica bletcher has been a part of the team for the last few years um, and she just tried out recently for the USA, USA Freedom National Team. So we have a pretty good showing. Eve Brickner, she was off uh, previously a San Francisco Iron Maiden, actually. So uh, a couple of ringings, you formerly from New York, Eve formerly from uh, San Francisco, both now at Portland helping uh, uh, develop footy there. Uh, what are your expectations coming out of this weekend with Sacramento? And uh, what are you looking to do to try and improve your football, obviously, ahead of the Nationals? So actually, uh, I went down to Sacramento this past weekend to meet some of the players. I, I played with a few of them um, on the national team back in 2014, uh, but I haven't played with them since. So I wanted to get you know a good idea of, of the team and, and the structure that they have there. Um, that This past weekend was probably the best uh, weekend of Metro League footy I've ever played. Uh, the girls, the Sacramento girls are just incredible. Uh, you can really see how they've come together as a team. And I'm just looking to expand upon that, you know, my own personal experience as well. And as you talk about that Metro League, uh, for you personally, since you first started playing footy, have you seen a rapid development in the skills and uh, game plan that's being used in women's footy in the U.S.? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, in 2013, I feel like, even though women's footy had been around for about, I guess, eight or seven years at that point, um, it still had a long way to go. And in the last three years, the skill set and the game plan and the strategy across the board um, 
you know, from the East Coast to the West Coast has been just phenomenal. Um, I could definitely see it with Sacramento Suns. I was telling a few of their players that, you know, the first time I ever played in a national tournament in 2013, it was kind of scrappy and whatever. Um, you know, the Metro League games up until, you know, this year really were kind of scrappy. Uh, and and it's really come together. Uh it's phenomenal. You can see how much hard work women are putting in um, and really trying to grow the game, not just in numbers, but also in skill set. Uh, from this point after the East-West Challenge, it's the last big major warm-up before, of course, uh, the USAFL Nationals. Um, what are you doing and uh, the Portland Sockeyes members that will be going to the Nationals to prepare yourselves for the uh, tournament in six weeks' time? Um, I mean, for the Sockeyes ourselves, we've started a fitness challenge just to sort of get everybody, keep them all on our, to- on our toes, uh, making sure that we're, you know, in the best possible shape come October, you know, 14th. Um, and, you know, uh, we've also have, we're we've, going from two practices to three starting next week, actually. So we're going to have two weeknight pra- weekday practices and then um, one weekend practice. And, of course, you said you'll be having about six fly across for the Nationals, which they're expecting to have either 16-a-side or 18-a-side matches. So have you spoken yet to any of the uh, other teams, and uh, have you figured out who yet you're going to be teaming up with to obviously form the full squad? Um, we do not know that, and we probably will not know that until um, early October, I assume. Um, it's really up in the air, so that I can't really answer. <laughs> Because it's not an unusual thing, is it, in U.S. women's football for the combined sides? In fact, uh, uh, your, your combined partner uh, a couple of uh, months ago for the Western Region tournament was the Minnesota Freeze. That's correct. Um, we brought 12 to uh, the Western Regional tournament, and they also brought 12. So we had a, a very full side ready to go uh, that day. And it really helped. Uh, the Sockeyes are not chock full of experience. There's maybe four players that have played previously. Um, But the Freeze, however, you know, their youngest talent has been playing for two years at least. So it's pretty, pretty cool. And for you personally, uh, obviously the Nationals would be a pretty big weekend as well because I believe uh, the provisional squad for the USA Freedom gets announced for obviously the International Cup next year. Oh, yeah. Um, That's the the great hope is that Jess Fletcher is uh, named on the freedom side for that. And everyone crosses fingers, as we said, uh, many are waiting uh, six weeks until then. And if I'm correct, I think there's also uh, a USA Freedom uh, training or a camp that might be happening this weekend as part of the East-West Challenge? That's correct. Um, Right after the tournament, they're going to be doing, uh, I think, a strategy session is going to be held for about an hour or two right after the tournament. So it'll just be a good weekend for for those girls to, to get in some more... Uh, strategy. And I thank Heather very much for her time and wish Heather, Jessica and Taylor all the very best to their three sides uh, meet in the East-West Showdown in San Francisco, California this weekend. And of course for them, the big nationals coming up in October. Well, I'm Peter Holden. It's almost time for me to get on out of here. But sincerely, I do want to thank you, the listener who downloads our podcast. Whether you've jumped in just recently to experience the girlsplayfooty.com podcast podcast, 
whether you're at episode one and thought, oh, I'll just jump in and see what the 50th episode is like. Or, of course, if you've been listening to every episode, your downloads do mean a lot. And it's been a privilege to bring you not just footy news from uh, my home city of uh, Melbourne in Australia, but covering uh, various states across the country and also catching up with what the footy scene is like in Europe and North America. And if any time you do have an idea about people we should speak to for the girlsplayfooty.com podcast you can get to us via facebook facebook.com forward slash girlsplayfooty or of course you can reach us on twitter the at handle and of course girlsplayfooty and uh, we're more than happy to take on your interview suggestions and feature them on our podcast because we want to get on as many people as possible and really push the word out there about women's footy and a friendly reminder about of course our our radio broadcasts that we do during the Swiss VFL women's competition that'll be returning next weekend on Sunday September 11 time to be confirmed uh, when the preliminary final is underway between Melbourne University and the St Kilda Sharks until next time thank you for all your support for getting behind our podcast and our website at girlsplayfooty.com Until next time, enjoy your footy.